1: cricket podcast sit back and enjoy
0: Hello, all. Welcome to another episode of Answer Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair critics of the Game. I'm your host, Arjit. And today, with me, uh, I have a recurring uh, guest on our podcast, Leah from Germany. Hi! Hello, Leah. Welcome Hi. to the podcast. And as always, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, it's been a few, few days between uh, episodes. I dare say a couple of weeks because... Well, once IPL stopped, this is a window that was sort of kept for IPL more or less. And once IPL stopped, there was not a lot of cricket. So we also decided to take a little bit of a break heading into what I hope to be a very hectic summer. Well, some good news. I'll probably say what how things are in the Netherlands to begin with, because here um, the numbers are on the wane, and uh, the government is starting to take some positive steps when it comes to, let's say, uh, increasing the amount of freedom the public has. So. The good, good news is, well, yesterday it was announced that we are allowed to play among ourselves in cricket clubs as adults. So this is for people who are 18 and above. And people who are 18 and below can already, for a few weeks, can they play among themselves. But, well, the good news is in a couple of weeks, I even expect the youth uh, tournaments organized by KNCB might start. And of course, that also means, you know... It sets a precedent that maybe in three to four weeks' time, the adult leagues might also start off. So we are really, really excited from our club and from within, you know, Netherlands possibilities. So first of all, the top class has started. The top class cricket, which is deemed as uh, the highest level of sport in the country, this has already started. They're already in their sixth or seventh round, if I'm not wrong. And you can actually see it streaming live. I don't know if you know this pitch vision sort of technology. So it's, it's probably a immobile camera, but it's sort of di- directly broadcasting the game from the pitch view, pitch side. So it's very nice if you are a fan of uh, cricket in the Netherlands. There's some things beginning, and I hear uh, you know maybe good things also will uh, happen in Germany. How are things there? Uh,
1: things are things are looking up in Germany, and um, we have also had uh, cricket already here in Germany in uh, Krefeld. They uh, played a T10 tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, well, let's hope that uh, the European Cricket Network
0: uh, can also organize some T20s proper. In that case, you know, we really hope there is more and more cricket on this continent in the upcoming uh, weeks, months and years, right? To, but to kick off upcoming weeks, we already see there are some uh, T20s yes. being played mm-hmm. among Austria, Czech Republic, right? Other countries. And uh, that's that's always great to see. And more people that are getting interested in the sport, it's all the, you know, all the more better. Because recently I was uh, doing some reading and the the top class started later, but the host class in the Netherlands started as far back as 1884. So in our country, uh, in Netherlands at least, there's such a lot of organized cricket for such a long time. And many of my colleagues were really surprised when I told them Netherlands are 11th in the world rankings in ODI. So... That was also a nice surprise. But I mean, all this comes courtesy of a quiz I had organized. And yes. of course, there had to be one mandatory cricket question, right? They were not happy.
1: Yeah. I mean, in Germany, it's the same. People don't know that cricket has been played in Germany for a very long time. Um, the German um, Fußballverband, the Deutsche Fußballbund, was originally founded as, a, as an association for cricket and football. Okay, they don't care about cricket anymore. So now we got the Deutsche Cricket
0: Bund. All right. So if you were to take a look at the cricket that was happening in the last period, so the international cricket, there were uh, these uh, ODI series between Bangladesh and Sri Lanka. I mean, a while back there was also the test with Pakistan, but you know that's so far back that we'll probably leave it on the side. Yeah. And in this case, um, well, the ODIs were pretty exciting because. Uh, First of all, for us cricket fans, uh, I mean, I'm sure same as me, uh, you are also following the ongoing county championships because it's being broadcast live on YouTube with some high quality yes. cricketing uh, commentary and, you know, very high quality coverage, coverage, isn't it?
1: Yes, it, it is actually amazing to be able to watch a full first class game legally in Germany.
0: Well, from that, we really hope it takes off. There's more cricket available legally on uh, German TV or German different channels. So, a lot to look forward to, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Coming back to this ODI series. So, the first ODI, look, uh, all three ODIs were held in uh, Dhaka. Well, it's a nice large stadium, I see. And, of course, it's a very tough stadium to chase. Because, apparently, in the last three to four years, when you look at it, 240, batting first is a very reasonable score there. Be it a day game or a day night game that's more or less what transpired because in the first game bangladesh batted they put to seven on board well they, they at some point in time looked good for a lot more but then um, you know this pitch yes. slows down apparently so as you go on so it's always advantage to uh, win the toss and bat first and it continues to slow slow down as the day goes on and of course the spinners come into it right towards the end of the day so Batting first in the first ODI, Tamim Mikbal made a sluggish 52, but then in the context of the game, that was a good innings. But then yes. the whole middle order sort of contributed. So, Mushfiku Rahim made 84, Mohammadullah 54, and then towards the end, Afif Hossein and uh, Muhammad uh, Saifuddin sort of finished it off quickly. And that means, you know, 257 was a competitive sort of a score. So, by the way, this Sri Lankan team is a sort of a young team because they are led by uh, Kusal Pereira, the newly appointed skipper. And... Interestingly, the selection panel has done away with a bunch of seniors, no Chandimal, no Matthews. Yes. This is a new, uh, let's say, new frontier for Sri Lankan cricket because they'll have a chance to play their cricket in a new way under new leadership, right? And some of these people who've been in the setup for a couple of years already, people like Kusal Pereira, Kusal Mendes, Dhananjaya De Silva, these people are now sort of being encouraged to stand up for themselves and for Sri Lanka. So if you look at their recent uh, shake-up when it comes to the contracting structure and other things as well. Some of these youngsters are rewarded while you know some of the older wizened heads have you know not received the same kind of uh, remuneration they probably did previously. This is a clear direction the new Sri Lankan, let's say, cricket board is taking. So there's Tom Moody, who's the new director of cricket in Sri Lanka. I think he's bringing some <clears throat> revolutionary ideas as far as they're concerned. And of course, Arvinda De Silva has been put in charge of a technical committee. So, these are the people that came up with these decisions. And based on that, a team has been chosen. Great. And you know what? This team may have lost. The series, the Sri Lankan team lost. But what we saw in at least glimpses looked very promising because at least in the first ODA, they started OK. But none of the really? middle order really contributed much. So, Patum Nisanka in, in three, uh, from Patum Nisanka in three to, let's say, Dasun Shanaka at six uh, or seven, even, they didn't really make a whole lot of contributions. And well, Kusal Mendes, look. I really like him as a player he has this big match temperament he's won test matches i remember scoring big runs in the third innings but then somehow again here i think he let himself down because in this entire series he didn't make any contribution uh, in terms of a big score right so for such a talented guy he somehow gets stuck in the 20s and 25s and then he's dismissed we see this time and again the same thing happened in this entire tournament but then uh, there was a bit of sting in the tail for sri lanka because wanindu hasaranga and uh, isuru Udana did not give it up i mean probably so the result was probably clear but they wanted to get as close as possible to give themselves a chance that's really nice to see so wanindu hasaranga is <clears throat> when it comes to limited overs cricket has been doing uh, doing really well the first one there was sort of going along predicted lines uh, in this case the bangladesh bowlers um, have, so mahdi hasan viras took 4 for 30 and then mustafi rahman took three for 34 and muhammad Saifuddin, Saifuddin two for 49 so the bowling was let's say very good yes so in this case the second oda was slightly different in as much that there was a bit more fight but bangladesh managed to get across that magic number of 240 again they made 246 but they were all out with almost two hours to spare so the Sri Lankan bowling started to come good so in this case bushwicku rahim was the binding force across this entire series as far as Bangladesh was concerned he made a wonderful 125 a really patient one yes. because he came in with a lot of trouble because 2 for 15 surprisingly Al Hassan who was promoted to 3 failed throughout the tournament probably this is a new role for him something they are looking forward to in a World Cup year right and probably um, Amim Iqbal has been showing more patience than before and we will see how it goes but they will need a steady opener along with him and the top 3 will have to do most of the let's say at least setting up of the platform so in this case they'll want the top three or two of the top three to last until the 20th hour or so then from there you know the rest of the middle order can build because mushviku Rahim has been holding this side together it was visible again and along with him his brother-in-law Mahmudullah did a great job all three one day she had a nice contribution along with 250s right so again in this second odi him and mushviku Rahim built that up because litan das came and went and there was a lot of failures again in the middle order and that meant Bangladesh were able to put up a score that they can think of defending. I mean, at one point in time, it could have been that they could have fallen short, even short of 200 now, after Mahmudullah was dismissed. It was not sure what would happen. But then uh, at least Mushviku Rahim kept going. And then he had some decent contributions from the tail. 11 from Saifuddin, 10 from Afif Hussain. So that meant, you know, you are able to at least take the score and they nearly batted out the overs. But by now, the Sri Lankan bowlers are firing. So you have Dushmanta Chamira. Who, by the way, was clocking very close to one fifty throughout the one-day series. Fantastic to see. Yes. Yes. Right. So he took three in the second ODI and then Lakshan Sandakan, the wrist spinner, left-arm wrist spinner, took three. Isuru Udana, surprisingly, Isuru Udana has been chosen and given the new ball. Probably it's, there was a lot of injuries because, for me, Suranga Lakmal or Nuan Pradeep or even Lahiru Kumara, none of these people are there here. So, but then, as I said, it's like almost like a, you know, a new attempt because. They also brought in some new names. We'll see some new names in the third ODA as well. There was uh, Dasun Shanaka, who was given a run here. Mm-hmm. They are also counting a little bit more on Dhananjaya De Silva to get more overs in, like an all rounder, right? He yes. bowls good off break. He's, I dare say uh, the Glenn Maxwell of Sri Lankan cricket at this point in time, somebody who bo- bats at four <laughs> and five, bowls off spin, and is an explosive batter. Probably Glenn Maxwell is a much bigger hitter. But look, I, I'm, I'm also wondering if five or six years down the line, when both of these cricketers are nearly done with their careers. We'll probably get a chance to compare, and I want them both to pick it up from here because they both are, at least from what I can see, supreme, supremely talented cricketers. Right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was interesting um, to see the Sri Lankan team um, containing Udana as well, basically a second all rounder. So that's that's
0: interesting. I thought as as we go along well udana by himself didn't do too much with the bat but i mean no he didn't but i mean it's okay i think they are sort of settling things down and i think he'll get opportunities and i think he made a 21 or, uh, or so in the previous uh, first odi in the second one well he's been at least chipping in with wickets and when it came to the second one he made 18 not out so again in the second odi the sri lankan team really let themselves down because uh, because of some rain rain shortening and other things there were multiple, let's say, disturbances from the rain in the Sri Lankan innings. So they had a very stiff target from 40 overs. They had to make 245. That's a very, you know, a very tough target. And really nobody nobody made any notable score. They were a bunch of teens and 20s right down the order. And as a result, Sri Lanka quite comfortably lost. And that, that came to me a bit of a surprise because their bowling looked pretty sharp and they probably looked also good in the first ODI, and the to sort of fold in the second ODI came a bit of a surprise because again Mehdi Hassan Miraz 3 for 28 in his 10 and Mustafi Sur Rahman 3 for 16 of his six and Shaky Hassan chipped in with two wickets as well so I mean a consummate performance from the Bangladeshi bowlers this gave them their first ever victory against Sri Lanka in a bilateral series in any format so it's it's a very big achievement as far as Bangladesh are concerned and I think we'll see more and more of this especially when Bangladesh are playing at home because they're really a port to be reckoned with. And slowly, they'll also pick it up when they start traveling. I mean, you see this problem with most countries from the subcontinent. We are all poor travelers, I think, when it comes to cricket. And slowly, they'll make their way. They'll find their way. Like, these days, India is doing all right. Pakistan are doing all right. I think Pakistan is the one exception there. Probably, they've been doing all right for a very long time. Because they had a very yes. enviable record in England. And other parts of the world where fast bowling was good. right? Even in Australia, I think. So... At least when it comes to other countries in the South, South Asian subcontinent, uh, I think we are going to pick it up Bangladesh from here also when touring.
1: Never forget Sri Lanka, are the only Asian team to
0: ever win a series or be it a test series in South Africa. Oh, yeah. Who, who could forget those two tests? That Perera innings. I mean, I was lucky enough to see it live. Yes. And I yes. will say it will from to 81, which I actually saw live as well by a small margin, but it actually beats that innings because it was in a fourth in, fourth inning and good card. So you're absolutely right. Yes. And and as a 10th wicket partnership. Yes. No less. Yes, it was a one wicket win. Yes. Speaking of one wicket wins, uh, on Twitter, somebody posted highlights of uh, Jimmy Adams leading West Indies to victory against Pakistan. And uh, this was in the 90s, late 90s, if I'm not wrong, because they're still Vasimakram bowling at a very young Sakhalin Mushtaq. Mm i mean what stood out for me i'm sorry to say was the quality of umpiring it was rather atrocious and uh, i mean i don't want to point any fingers at any anybody but there was one home umpire and there was one away umpire from what i saw but it was it was still it was still quite bad Uh, obvious decisions that were not given and uh, look pakistan also didn't help themselves there were a couple of really obvious runouts like runouts by a length of a pitch that they missed twice (sighs) But, I mean, those are all by the by, right? But, uh, I mean, how yeah. cricket was played, uh, even 20 years ago, if you were to think, if you were to look at some of the uh, test match highlights from the ni- from the late 80s and 90s, uh, there are many, Rob Linda, I think, this guy, right? He puts a lot out on um, yes. YouTube. And on YouTube. some of those are, I mean, you're actually sometimes very surprised, the LBWs that are given. And I think for a very long time, cricket was taken at that where level where you know umpire has given you out let's go mean i'm going to bring a philosophical point here because it's mostly about how our lives have changed we are more specific we are more uh, exacting of ourselves and from those around us and with life sort of sorting itself out with those you know basic problems of humanity sort of slowly taking a back seat you are now focused on every little yes. thing you do
1: so I, I know exactly what you mean yeah yeah and and we have we 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 have the technology to 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 be more exact now. Mm-hmm. That's also a part of it. Look at dismissals, missile leg
0: before dismissals by off spinners, pre DRS post DRS. Pretty much. I mean, Warren at least claims he would have had a thousand wickets if there were DRS in his time, right? And yeah, obviously, Morley would surely have had thousand as well. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, look at it. Somebody like Warren also winkled a lot of wickets through sheer uh, gamesmanship, right? I mean, let's not leave all that out. But no. anyway, com- coming coming to the coming to the game at hand, the third one, yes, Sri Lanka got to bat first. So they did the same thing that Bangladesh did. But in this case, they were a little bit more successful because, again, this guy, Kusal Pereira, when he plays, he plays big, right? 120, right at the top of the order. And Danushka Gunatilaka, his partner, has been sort of quietly supporting him throughout. So another 39 from him. And then Dhananjay De Silva, 55. Dhananjay De Silva chose to hang on. So again, Kusal is 22, another 20. We don't know what's going on there. Patum Nisanka at 3 didn't work, but I think that's a long term strategy. It's not a tactical move, I would say. And then um, Niroshan Dekwala was brought back in. And so there yes. are three keepers, as is required apparently, in the 11. And uh, one into Hasaranga, a small score. So 286, in the end, was a very big score. And again, on this pitch, that was always going to slow down. With multiple spinners in the 11, Sri Lankans looked in a very good position. So, Tuskeen ahmed who was actually also bowling in the second ODI, because he came in as a substitute, right? So, yes. in this case, and then, of course, he took four in this, because he started very, very rapid, and uh, he took some wickets right at the top, and it looked like at some point in time, uh, Sri Lanka might blow it off. Um, they might just reach 220-230 but then Kusal Pereira made sure he hung on till very nearly the 40th over himself and then uh, from that point on Dhanja De Silva took over sort of slowly guided the rest of the innings I mean if that gone a bit more explosive they could have reached 300 but then on this pitch dude, 286 is very very big so it was very clear to see when Bangladesh batted because the top order failed and then Mushvik started it off but then Mossadegh and Mahmudullah built on it but then it, they were way too far. They lost by nearly 100 runs. I mean, of the, yes. they were all out with more than seven hours to spare for sure. But then all of this was thanks to Dushmantha Chamira, who, as I said, grew beautifully as the series went on. And look, he showed once again. Genuine pace is a threat no matter what the sort of the pitch you're playing on. He had five for yes. sixteen. Yes. Uh, his first five 5-4 in ODIs, wonderful bowling. One into Hasaranga, two wickets. Ramesh Mendes was brought in, two wickets. And as I said, this, they're trying to experiment with new people, Chamika Karuna, Karuna Ratna and Binura Fernando. So, Chamika is uh, something like your Dasun Shanaka and Binura is a left-arm fast bowler. He's six, foot six, apparently. Very tall guy. So, they're trying more people in the 11. And all of this was very nice to see. I mean, this is sort of in the backdrop of some comments by Arvinda De Silva on Sri Lankan cricketers grumbling about their contracts and him saying, go ahead and win games. Because... Apparently, a large part of their contracts are now based on incentives for winning, winning mm. series, winning games, but also winning series. So yes. I think they, they, they get very, very rich if they beat the top uh, three uh, ranked test teams. And previously, the amount that was fixed for winning a series was always the same, but now it's completely incentivized. So all of these are new things. Nice to see that you know the Sri Lankan board is sort of walking the talk with the sort of selections that they want to show. At the other, other end of the spectrum, Bangladesh would be really happy to win a series against Sri Lanka for the first time. And again, make sure the rest of the world takes notice that when you're going to Bangladesh, whether you're playing Tests or One Day or T20Is, you better be very careful. They are they are very strong at home, right? And you have this core of this core of uh, very senior pros. You have Shakib, you have Mushfiq, you have Mahmoudullah, you have you know Tamim Iqbal. And I think Mustafizur Rahman is shaping up nicely. And Raski and Ahmed, a bunch of other fast bowlers, Shoreful Islam, they're all around this group. And they are now trying to build a core of youngsters, lafif Hussain, Mossadegh Hussain. You have all of these guys. So it's it's going to be nice. Also, Lytan, Das. So some of them, if they are able to gel, these guys would make a real difference, right? With Taski yes. Ahmed, they have a really fast bowler who can you know, bring in the goods. You have Mustafizur Rahman, very canny. And even in yes. test matches, I think there would be a really really nice prospect, whether you're bowling in England or on South Africa or Australia, where there is a lot of SENA countries, as they say, right? A lot to offer for fast bowlers. Now they have an attack. Previously, that used to be a problem. Now they have a really, really good attack as well. All in all, a very nice series.
1: Yes, it was, it was really good to see, to see the Fizz uh, in form um, because he has had problems with his shoulder. And after that operation, he never was the same. And it was really good to see him back in the wickets. Really, really good.
0: Because mm-hmm. I like him. No, of course. He, a kata he... bowler. <laughs> <laughs> bowler? We don't have too many of those. Well, he uses a lot of those in the depth, I guess. But up top with the new ball, I think he he's good enough. He can swing the ball. Yes. And uh, so that means you have this multifaceted bowler. He's no one trick pony, right? That means he's always very useful uh, in any format of the game, especially the shorter ones, but also in the longer format. So that's very nice to see. And I'm always amazed at how a country like Sri Lanka with a limited set of people, that is cricketers who play at the highest level, first class level, always a punches above their weight. I mean, I think at some point in time, it was estimated they have about 250 to 300 players who play club cricket at the highest level. And that is their first class mm-hmm structure and yeah that's fantastic to be able to put together a team that goes out and performs res. well we know they have won a world cup right and they have as you say yes. one in south africa so all of this is very very nice so again this there is a fairy tale here no it's it's not like india or england where they have a huge cricket setup and they have these under 11 under nine setups that always carry forward players and that, that's why you know sri Lankan players are allowed to and encouraged to embrace their uniqueness, be it in the way they play the cricket or their attitude, their actions, whatever it might be, right? So all this is always very heartening to see as a cricket fan and long made continue, I would say. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And they also won a World T20.
0: Of course. There you go. And it was going to be a shame for that golden generation to go away without something. Mahila Javardana, yes. Sandakara, and Dilshan, <laughs> So, they managed to win a World Cup. That that was very nice. So, All right. from that point on, let's now take a look at some of the cricket from around the world where you know, we're now talking of cricketing news. So, the first thing, again, test match centric, right? So, the World the Test Championship final is coming up. So, you know, June 18th, we're not that far away. Yes. Now, three weeks. And uh, it's a one-off match. Five days, but an extra day. Has been reserved. So some more rules have been made clear. So for whatever reason, if there is a draw or if there's a tie, then the trophy will be shared as it should be. Yes. right? So the fifth day is a, what do you call it. It's a reserve day, but that's not a reserve day to get a game time in. If there are five full days of play, if there were less than five full days of play, and then any time was lost, that time will be made up on the sixth day, but that's about yes. it. So an hour before the, Close of play on the last day is when the match referee or maybe a tea time, you know, would actually announce this. So we've lost 28 overs so far and we would make it up tomorrow. That gives us a chance of getting a result. So that's very nice. Two teams that are probably evenly matched and playing away from home, both of them. And uh, it must be said, frankly, probably the conditions are slightly in favor of New Zealand. But India are no uh, pushovers these days when they're traveling. They have a very good polling lineup and the attitude. What we saw in Australia, I think it's been it's been talked about in multiple podcasts and in multiple, yes. you know, places and how the attitude, right? The attitude that's been instilled by this leadership group here. And uh I mean that'll be a wonderful, wonderful test match. I can't wait for it to begin. I dare say I might, you know, I might even take some holidays from work if possible because and I would just want to sit and enjoy it. I'll see how many of those are over the weekend and we'll we'll, we'll see what else can be done around those days. Right? Yes. Because I would like to be tuned in. So let's see how that goes. There were two big tournaments this year that have been interrupted due to COVID. One is the PSL, the other is the IPL. So it looks like, you know, PSL at least is set to begin next week. So there are a couple of things that are up against the players. One is the weather itself because it's yeah middle of the summer in in a desert. So it's 40 degrees yes. plus. So, um, so they're they're having to train very hard. They're also having to sort of resort to multiple measures to focus and retain their strength because it's the ex the exertion is going to be very high. Yes, right. <clears throat> but at least for now, they are also trying to probably you know train and get used to the conditions. That's one thing. And of course, again, I think it's, it's also a big deal that these tournaments are completed. So this is again sort of it gives us an idea of how much resilient cricket has become because we just don't give up and we say let's go elsewhere you know we can't be hosting it in pakistan or in india we take it away we take the circus on the road so i mean why i'm mentioning this is it looks like at least BCCI is also planning to host remainder of the ipl in uae in a september october window well ostensibly the reason given is it's monsoon in india which is true yes of course but is it just monsoon? do you think no no not really and
1: i have to say I'll take a take a slightly more cynical view of continue of, of the continuation of uh, the interrupted seasons because apparently uh, the BCCI uh, would have to pay 200 million pounds back in broadcasting rights if they didn't complete the season holy cow okay yes that's so that's that's a consideration and I I don't I don't think uh, it it's only we need uh, we need to complete the season because we already started it and we can't we can't have a season without the champions stuff like that I think two
0: hundred million pounds plays a part I have to admit <laughs> oh yeah that is a lot of reasons two hundred million reasons but I was not aware of this that's first thing but also there is no. There's no force majeure clause in such an such an agreement where, you know, COVID is actually an act of God or whatever that is. Right? Yes. Yes. Those that are hosting it know it best. Yes. Probably. <clears throat> there were some other contingency plans that were put in place. So, but I don't think it's it's conclusively already decided. That's where it will be held. And that's the window because look, we are going to go perilously close to the other thing that's on the horizon, right? From yes. that point on the World Cup, World Cup P20, right? This is a big deal. Look, a lot of sports from around the world, the Olympics was postponed, the World Cup was postponed last year. Now, we are in one year down the line and we are all looking forward to this again. So the question is, how big is the IPL and whether if UAE was the alternative chosen with a venue for the ICC to host the World Cup, because, you know, logistically in a country like India, don't know how the uh, COVID is, situation is going to be, of course, I think a lot of... Vaccination is underway in India, but it's a huge country and we cannot expect everybody in India to be vaccinated by that time. That's not realistic. Yeah. So in this case, there are going to be certain risks uh, to continue hosting the World Cup in India, or maybe they're going to be hosted behind closed doors. Then that would be a pity again. right? So why I'm saying this is, for example, the World Test Championship final will have 70% crowds, so that, and that's very nice. Yeah. You see. So similarly, a world tournament must be played in front of people if possible. But then, well, what is the balancing act do you think BCCI and ICC have to come up with here?
1: I think well, the problem is this: if you can't host the tournament, the tournament in India, um, regardless of of spectators or not, I think the problem is um, this bio bubble for a, for a for an ICC tournament. Uh, it has to be massive. There's so much support staff, um, media. Uh, the grounds, the teams, all the hotels, it's going to be massive. And I think the question will be, can we do this logistically in India? Or can we do it better in the UAE because um, of the geographical, uh, for for geographical reasons, You you can put them out somewhere in the desert, there are stadia in the desert basically, you can keep all the bubble you can keep the bubble more secure in, in, in a remote location, and the UAE is more remote than um, giant cities in India, big cities in India. I think that would be the consideration. Can we do it in the UAE if we can't do it in India? I think that's the problem indeed the organizers face.
0: But then, is that sort of positive, do you think, that you say, first you host an IPL there, that's a multi-team tournament, and then following that, a couple of weeks of break, and then the World Cup right away there, if it can't be hosted in India? Yes,
1: I think, yeah, it's, it's I mean, the ICC should probably look at uh, what's, what's going to happen in the PSL and the, and the, the IPL, uh, if it works. So, 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 as to have a benchmark um, for what can be done in the UAE, and. Um, and yeah, to learn, to learn the lessons, basically, what works, what doesn't work in terms of biosecurity, stuff like that. I think mm-hmm. we might, we might have to brace ourselves for, for, the, uh, for the
0: World Cup to be held in the UAE. You have a wise uh, point there. And I think that might really come to pass as well. Let's see how it goes. Yes. But it will be a huge blow for the fans. Uh, waiting to seal some live cricket in India. No IPL? Yes,
1: yes, of course. Of course it will be. But mm-hmm. yeah, but, but, but think about it. The worst thing that could happen is you have another wave uh, mm-hmm. in the subcontinent and you have to postpone right. the World Cup. Mm-hmm. That's the worst. You, you start some group games, then you find out, oh, our biosecurity isn't up to scratch. Everyone goes home to be finished later.
0: Would be- I think you can't do that with the World Cup, right? Host half in March and yeah. half in October. That's probably yeah. not going to go. Yeah. So
1: they're, so there. so I think the ICC will will do will be very risk averse in that sense. And if it if it works in the UAE, they might be tempted to host it there just to get it
0: done in in a single try that's my thoughts so let's see well let's hope for the best you know for the indian fans as well but then thinking about the bigger picture probably wherever you host it it has to be in a much more secure place whether they get the sort of help and assurance from the indian government that makes it possible in india remains to be seen let's see how that goes right yes yes going further some more good news when it comes to women's cricket Yes. The Indian women are going to tour uh, England, and this is going to be a full fledged tour where they're going to play even tests. So there's a one off test. So they're going to kick their tour off with a one off test, which is going to be a day nighter in Bristol. So that's fantastic. And then there are going to be three ODIs and three T20Is. So a 21 strong squad has been chosen for the Indian tour. And, uh, you know, well, there are a couple of surprises. For example, uh, Rajeshwari Gaikwad missing out, right? But Shephali Verma. Ekta Bish, yes. Shika Pandey and Tania, all of them coming back in. Well, these are all nice things. And, you know, I wanted this generation of Indian women to be able to play tests. So we are really hoping this is a kicking off point because in international women's cricket, test match test matches were almost a thing of the past, right? Except for maybe Australia and England and maybe to an extent New Zealand playing some. But yes. I think this is a good chance for the Indian women to also play tests, get to see what it is. And also, you know, show themselves off in a you know, in a good light, there. That's the first thing. But also them touring and getting that experience will be really good because a bunch of the squad, the Indian women's squad, is very young, right? You have, you'll have Mithali Raj probably, but you'll have some older heads as well. But, you know, this squad is building up and this tour will be a great learning curve. They, they, they did play a limited o series against South Africa at home and that that showed them how far behind they were when it comes to preparation and sort of game time. Now, this is a chance to put it right. Get game time, but also be better prepared and show a better, I don't know, give a good account of themselves, maybe. That's the way I would say. Yes. I don't expect any upsets. England cricket, when it comes to women's cricket, is far, far ahead. I would say the England and Australia are miles ahead. And it remains to be seen if they'll also come back with some very meaningful results for themselves as a group, because winning is not everything. We will, we will really see if there are individual stars that stand up and make some name for themselves, right? This is also a very good thing. Yes. And I really, really hope, in spite of all the cricket that is being scheduled to play in England, there's a New Zealand Tour of England, there's a World Test Championship, there's a Women's Tour now, and of course, India are going to play test, and on top of it, there's a hundred. So, plenty, plenty of cricket planned this summer, and uh, up to leading up to autumn in England, and we really hope this tour doesn't get sidelined in all the other cricket that's happening.
1: The only thing... I think that has been handled a bit suboptimal is the scheduling of the test of the women's test because it collides with the World Test Championship Final.
0: Mm-hmm. That was stupid. Right. That was stupid. I yeah. think. Well, I mean, they could have played it earlier, right? They could have finished it by 16th. Four more days earlier if you had planned it, if the tour could have been planned that way. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. And yes. then you just finish it one day before, then you have all the ice of the world on you as like yes. a warm up that you, you probably generate more revenue and more you know more uh, viewership that way but anyway um, i don't know the people who planned this had a different goal in mind or probably there were real logistical issues when it comes to travel and quarantining right so we don't know but all of this is no more than 3 weeks away again like just 3 weeks is all the time we have to bite by and yes a very very exciting summer is coming up for us that you know that leaves us with uh, one uh, small news Harry Gurney, who has retired from all cricket at the age of 34, um, we wish him all the best going forward with his uh, career, because our second career, because it looks like uh, you know he had a niggling shoulder injury. He never could completely recover from it. This guy has you know played England, played for England for a very short amount of time in limited overs games, but then he's he's been touring, playing T20s around the world. Maybe this was the reason why his body sort of wore down a bit prematurely. But Nonetheless, he's had a very successful career and we wish him all the best going forward. Now, this brings us to the trivia section of the episode. And so, the trivia question from the previous episode was Who was the last spinner before Sri Lanka's Jay Vikrama to take a 10 for on test debut? You know, I'm knowing your cricketing, cricketing knowledge. I would be very surprised if you didn't know the answer. A 10
1: for on- Test debut, it wasn't, no,
0: no, I don't know. It was Jason Kreza in India, all those years ago, 2008. That's the answer to the question. It doesn't come yes. very readily to many of us. I think he hardly played a bunch of tests. So, yeah, but nonetheless, that was a 12-4 on his debut, 8-4 and four in two innings. So, well done him and well done to Jay Vikrama, right? Because he also won the games. The trivia question for this episode is... Which captain holds the record for the most number of consecutive wins at the start of his career? So, well, why this sort of kicked off is because Baba Razam has won four on a trot In his very first four tests, as a skipper, he's won all four. But this is a good record. This is a great record to have, but he's nowhere near the top. So the question is, who is the captain that has the most number of successive wins right at the start of his career? So, I mean, you'll have to go a little back. 70, years back for a name. And he's not a very well-known name these days, but he was a big deal in his day, right? That's the clue I can give. And uh, let's see uh, if, uh, you know, you can tell me offline as always. Leah, probably you have a guess or two at the answer. I uh, guess, I guess, me. Oh. yes. So, well, I would like to thank Leah as always for bringing uh, much needed flavor, a bit of German flavor to our podcast. <laughs> you're, you're very welcome. Right, and... As always, it was a pleasure hosting you, and we hope to have you again. You have uh, yeah. you have such a nice uh, knowledge, encyclopedic knowledge, cricket and maybe you can also put it to good use. Who knows in the upcoming days and months, right? Yes, probably. Would you like to give out more uh, more uh, ways in which people could get in touch with you,
1: Leah? Um, it's always it's always uh, good to follow me on Twitter uh, at Linux l e a linux as the operating system you can you can look you could probably look forward to something
0: over there that's all i'm i'm going to say some tantalizing hints given let's see what's what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks thanks a lot leah and uh, goodbye
1: goodbye goodbye everyone Is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Sit back and enjoy.